Everything seems ready to go. Oh, hey, man. Hey. Oh, wait. Who's, who's this? Oh, this is my friend, Missy. Hi. You know, she usually just goes by Miss. Um, okay. Yeah, mis- Misconception, actually, interestingly enough. That's me. Conception? Your last name is Conception. Yeah, it's actually Concepcion, but no one in California knows how to say that, which is weird because we're right by Mexico or whatever, so I don't get it, but you can call me Misconception. Okay, so... Yeah. Well, I thought, what better person to have on the show, considering the topic? Me, right? The topic is about me. It's a Misconception show. Well, oh, wow, Eric. Well, no, no. we talked about this, remember? So we're, we're talking about things that people think are real, but, you know, the truth behind it's different. I, a, I mean, I'm really, you guys can see me. I'm sitting right here. I know, but you're, no, okay. Um, I don't know how else to explain this. I don't, um, I don't get it. Well, this is going to be great. <laughs> Welcome to Nerds on History. I am Eric Brickmont. And I am Brian Moriarty. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm just making sure. I mean, really, we could all just be brains in a jar. And, you know, well, there's no way you can prove or disprove it. That's true. That's true. Hey, you know what, though? We have something very special in the Nerd Cave tonight. We do indeed. Uh, joining us, actually, she works at the Mystery Company. The mystery, the mystery company, company that I, I still so. work at. But I would love it to actually doesn't. be the mystery company where just you guys just we actually just solved mysteries. That was our thing. That's what I, we did. Only if we I could like drive in the mystery van. Absolutely, mystery yeah. machine, totally. And then we have a dog who's yeah. you know talks and says stupid. Shit. You guys are running into some copyright violations here. Oh, I know we are. And you used it. You used your one. My one of my bleeps is yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, well, Sarah's not here, right? Which is why well, we have a, a in the last episode. You well, called somebody a. And it was is like this a yeah. family show, or can I say we can? We're it's PG thirteen. We have three bleeps that we have we, we have arbitrarily put on as a rule uh, because of Sarah, because Sarah's got a potty mouth, so which she's gotten really good with, by the way. Yeah. Um, but you may have two of her three bleeps because Brian already used one of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. So by the way, she's not here. Surprise. Yeah. Uh, same situation. Uh, you know, we're we, busy. We recorded both yeah. this last episode and this current one at the same time. She couldn't make it. So but we, we have, have three Jilly. Hosts. Jilly's here. Jilly's here. Yay. She works at the mystery company, as we were saying, right? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Miss Concepcion, or as she's known by in real life, Jill Romanos. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me. It's good to have you. I'm excited to be here with so, you guys. Well, we're excited to have you, and you know, we've been doing this podcast for quite a long time, and we've known each other the whole time that this podcast has been in production, and in all of that time, we kept thinking, oh gosh, how are we going to get Jilly on? We really want Jilly to come on, and we've talked about quilting, I think, and we've talked about crafting. Now you're going to make me sound old and boring. What? Those things are fun and interesting, (laughs) and you like doing them. You'd be proud of that. Yeah. Um, But today, we just were like past each other in the hall, and we're like, you know, you should come on the show. Just, just come on the show. Just this is the, the fastest we've ever done that. We just, it's never been the day of that we right. ask somebody that they end up being on the right. show. I'm not, within hours. I'm not a planner. I'm more of a throw myself at you guys and yell surprise. You have to deal with me for the next couple hours sure. kind of person. So, yeah. Good. Excellent. Good. So I think you guys might know what the topic is for today. That's um, right. First off, children. Let's, make sure, let's just do a quick little pulse check. Eric, you're good. I'm fine. 
How are you? I feel ready. Good. I'm glad that you're fine and you're fine and I'm fine so we can move on. Yeah. Brian is being really weird, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you didn't hear any of that before we started recording, but he's in a really weird mood all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. Just like a weird switch got I think it was on. the Thai food. Oh, that's what a delay reaction. Yeah. You guys had Thai food without me. Yeah, because it, yeah, it was really, really spicy curry, and I think it's messed with my brain. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyhow. Or maybe they just, maybe it was laced with drugs. One of the, <laughs> well, we don't know. It could be the peyote again. It could be. Yeah, he's going to be, be The snails! The snails! <laughs> um, Brian once uh, chased an armadillo across the Midwest. And then I found my purpose. Yeah. Which is? Well, I think we all know at this point, isn't it? Acting. Oh, I thought it was just harassing animals. All right. Never well, mind. I mean, it, it took I some totally time. I totally got the wrong meaning out of that. And story. I had to explain to the officer why, why I was naked in the, in the, in the, uh, the desert, too. <laughs> Can I go home? I don't want to do the podcast anymore. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the topic before we, A, alienate more listeners, and B, scare <laughs> Jaylee. So. I'm sorry. I, I, I just purely a stream of consciousness right now that i know you are in a weird mood okay i'm actually very relaxed is what it is that's what it is (laughs) so kind of like the unintentional theme of the month has been revisiting some of our favorite topics well i mean it makes sense though right because we are approaching the third anniversary of the launch of our podcasts right wow really yeah yeah yeah, 2012 uh labor day 2012 is when we launched and we actually were incepted on uh July fourth of twenty twelve. So we've actually already we're actually in that that weird interim phase. But um, you know, it's always fun for us to go back and revisit our most popular episodes. Last mm-hmm. year we did um, we actually did a, a redux on uh, our first ever one, which was the mongoose equation, uh, with a little bit of commentary in the beginning. And then still we just, best title ever. It's it, it's one of our best themed episodes. Yeah. Period. Last time we talked about uh, the weefling peas again with the pea flinging. Um, and uh, did some more great jobs that have fallen to obscurity. And I think this one, it's good. We haven't touched this one in over two years. Uh, again, I think about 100 episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and believe it or not. Yeah. Long ago, over 100 episodes ago. Oh, God, he's doing the voice again. You didn't hear the voice last time. He's doing it again. Uh, misconceptions and misnomers. That's, yeah. And we called it, it was this, if you're looking to listen to that episode, uh, it was called the Caesarean Conception. This is before... Um, Sarah was on the show. It was just the two of us. And to just Sarian? Is that? No. Uh, you wow. guys need to cut that out. I make puns and they're dumb. No, I gotta I say, that puns. was a pun worthy of a Brickmont. That was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I make puns and they're dumb and they're totally allowed to be on the show. That's kind of the basis of our friendship, actually. It, it really is, actually. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah. And so we carefully listened to the other podcast, the previous episode, to make sure we didn't repeat any. But we might have a couple. Yeah. <laughs> what Brian is trying to say is, if we say anything again, it's because it's that good, A, and B, uh, we'll make it even funnier this time. It, because we also know that our listeners are not going to listen to all 126 episodes. Yeah. Those who, those who have, hey, you know what? Thank you. Love you. Call us. But um, in the meantime, why don't we just repeat it and just, you know, it'll be fresh for the new people. We'll and, with it. Exactly. So let's dive in and i feel it's only fair that we let our our guest go first uh because you have something that is very near and dear to my heart that you would like to talk about which is vomit and you know (laughs) being that i am a father of four and have been spit up on um just for the past nine years 
and counting. There's still more all the time. More, more kids um, coming? Yeah, well, no, just more vomit. It never stops. Isn't that so ironic? Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, what a great topic to kick us off with. To, to vomit us into the beginning of this episode. Uh, well, I must admit that I was pretty sad to find out that this is a misconception. Because while I've never done it myself, uh, I always liked the idea that the Romans would stuff themselves and then go to the vomitorium to vomit up so they could keep eating, which is what the... the which is true. That did actually happen. But the place... So but the can... vomitorium wasn't wasn't where they did it. The vomitorium was the entrance and the exit, which is so much less interesting than where everyone would go to, you know... Purge. Purge and become bulimics, right? Uh, yeah, it's just the entrance and the exit of Yeah, it's of just the building. A, it's li- literally is when they built the Roman Colosseum. It's one of the archways. You walk into now the the legend goes that the people that when you would go to the gladiator games or the theater or whatever the coliseum was being used as at that moment that people would have the people who were in the upper class seats would have feasts there too and that that would be the legend is that's where they would go to, to vomit because there was no room for them to vomit in right which is another misconception exactly it's total conjecture yeah um in fact it was even taught to me in my theater history class by my by my well-educated theater professor on that so it, it just I think the names sound similar. That's that's the only thing that it has to do with. Um, well, it it all has to do with the the Latin word for vamo, which is to spew forth, right? Which, to, right. To come out. And if you're thinking about the gladiatorial games, right? What does everybody do when the games are over? They spew forth. I'm picturing being at a Giants game when the Giants win. What does everybody do out of the stadium? They they spew forth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have to clear out, and you need a wide archway That's or a right. wide area to be able to accommodate thousands of people right so that makes sense um and of course naturally of course people would associate the two because spewing forth is also what happens when you have vomit some, have vomit have, <laughs> yeah, when you, know, you go to the giants game and you get completely and totally wasted and on the, your way out through the vomitorium you 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 might actually vomit that's true i believe that so that's what the well, if you're like me you know i'm acrophobic so if i'm sitting on like the nosebleed seats I'm very uncomfortable, and by the time I get down there, I'm probably ready to spew forth something else. <laughs> so, you know, yes. probably the beer that I had to kind of calm the nerves. Um, yeah, so naturally that makes sense. Today right. I learned never to go to a baseball game with Brian. That's right. Yes, I, that's something I learned the hard way. <laughs> and you know, folks, that's what makes this podcast great. The more you know. Oh, that was nice. Yes, it was. That was nice. Um, let's continue on this. I love that. That's a great way to get us going. Actually, let's continue in Rome while okay. we're at it. Why not? I think we might have mentioned this in our Romans episode, because we did two of those. Uh, one with, uh, just you and I, and then one, of course, with Dan Lazarus. Oh, that was so good. It was great. And I feel bad, because he's actually a punk expert, and he wanted to be on the punk episode we just did, but... Well, we, we are revisiting a topic, right? Absolutely. So, so there's a possibility we might do that again. Absolutely, and I would love to have Dan on for that. So, Dan, if you're listening, call us. So, um, <laughs> Which he actually can do. He actually could do, yeah. yeah. Since we're talking about the Coliseum, mm-hmm. let's talk about gladiators for a moment. I hate Russell Crowe. No, sorry, I, please I'm, go ahead. And no, a lot of people would agree with you at this point. Uh, however, when he was in that movie and was about to, you know, reenact the Battle of Carthage or whatever it was, they claimed that the thing they said bef- to the emperor before they engaged in battle was, we who are about to die salute you. Or actually, hail the emperor, we who are about to die salute you. However, um, two ancient Roman historians recount that uh, in about 52 a- 
D, a large group of criminals were condemned to fight each other in a to death in a large. Uh, actually kind of cool it was a large staged naval battle yeah and this is actually kind of cool because when the romans would do that they would actually would flood the the ground level of the coliseum and they would put boats in there it was wild it was true spectacle uh, and actually they would make an artificial lake uh because of that um and this is basically extrapolated from that because they greeted the emperor who was claudius at this point and said we who are about to die salute you but it only ever happened that one time but as history gets telephoned <laughs> through oral interpretation um, it just became, you know, that, oh, the, all the gladiators, <laughs> um, it became that all the gladiators must have said that. And, you know, it does actually kind of surprise me that nobody waiting underneath the stage, you know, for their next chance to fight, wasn't overhearing this in some way and be like, damn, that's good. That's really good. I should totally use Wish that. Wish I thought of it. Yeah, I can just take it anyway. They're dead anyway. It's fine. But you know what? They probably got up on the next one and they say, "Hail Emperor! We who are about to die!" And they get killed by like a lion. <laughs> like we who are about to die think you're really, really something. Yeah. What, what did that guy say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Remember, we commune with history, so we know these things. Yeah. yeah. We can't ask him because he's dead. So you know. That's right. They had to just kind of wing it. Well, if we're talking about the Colosseum, then we're also talking about, huh, you know, life expectancies being cut short, right? <laughs> so Good segue. I love yeah, that. I got to make up for the last episode. I had a couple <laughs> turns in that one. So got to make up for it. Um, one of my favorite misconceptions, and, you know, this is something that is very popular in the Dark Ages, right? The Middle Ages of Europe, that life expectancy was no more than maybe 30. And, well, certainly plague... You know, bubonic plague and other diseases were rampant. Uh, terrible wars were going on left and right. You had uh, famine. You had all sorts of terrible things that were happening, certainly. But the big thing that skews this is the inflated number uh, due to child mortality rate being very, very high. So, yes, a lot of children were dying, particularly in infancy or even just, you know, days after birth. And a lot of women were also dying as a result of childbirth due to poor sanitary conditions, which has just kind of been around forever and a day. Uh, but many people who, you know, made it past a certain age, once you got old enough and built up your immune system and to adulthood, you were very likely to live quite a bit longer, assuming you weren't killed in one of those wars. Um, you could make it into your 60s, 70s. You could, you know, you could live a ripe old life if you wanted to, uh, if, if the cards fell the right way. And this is true of all history. You, you hear all these bizarre numbers from all across uh, the annals of time. Sure. And no matter where you are in the world, it's always a little different, right? And oftentimes it has to do with the child mortality rate. So more and more historians are excluding that number these days to give a slightly more accurate view of how long people lived for. Because, you know, if we all lived to 30, that would that, that doesn't it's seem terribly like realistic. A, a real-life version of Logan's Run or something. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't, yeah. don't paint that picture. Exactly. Terrifying. Um, you know, that's true. And because you hear about, you know, John Adams, right? John Adams was over 90 years old when he, or I think he was 90 years old. Yeah. So it's when Thomas he passed Jefferson. away. Exactly. And we're talking in the early 19th century. So clearly, you know, it was Pepe not. Pepe the Thomas second was 104. Yeah. Hundred and freaking four. Now they also, but to be also fair, Noah was apparently 200. So, I mean. That doesn't. No, what? That's the thing I'm trying to say is that sometimes history gets extrapolated. Okay, but Pepe, we have a few more records. 
Sure, and it's also accurate. more believable to assume that a person made it to 104. And that's your last religious uh, reference for the episode. You can't have it. I don't know if I can do that. I, I had one Egyptian. You have one religious. That's it. You also got Romans. You can't. You can't do you that. You got Romans, but it's a subject that you are top. To you. you know what, listeners? This. This is good radio. This is pretty much exactly what hanging out with these two in real life is <laughs> yeah. right now. Everyone wonders, we don't really have a radio personality versus a real personality. It's pretty much just this. It's us. Which is fine. It's because it's great. That's why. Jilly. Yes. Uh, you and I were talking beforehand a little bit about Vikings. I like the Vikings. I'm a very, very small, small portion Norwegian. And so the Vikings are near and dear to my heart. I believe it's your left pinky specifically. I am a lefty. That would make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So tell me, what are, what are, I mean, there's actually a lot of misconceptions around Vikings. Oh, so many. There's a couple very big ones, right? Well, speaking of two big ones coming right out of their head, they well, didn't wear. <laughs> this is a family podcast, Julie. <laughs> they didn't wear the horn helmets. The You picture a Viking. The first thing you picture right. besides a big old beard and long hair yeah. is a, a, maybe a gold helmet with two horns coming out of it. And apparently that's completely false. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't help but think of that famous uh, scene, that famous shot in History of the World Part 1 where they say a Viking funeral. And it's, you see the the famous ship funeral pyre and all the men are, you know, looking out to sea and then they take their helmets off and they all were wearing horns. (laughs) It turns out that the horns are on their heads. So they take the helmets off and the horns are still there. It's a great, it's a great visual gag. Well, you know who you can thank for this is that bastard Wagner. Wagner, yes, Wagner. No, I, I disrespect him because of this. He's dun, Wagner. Da, 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 da. Yeah, the yes, the Ride of the Valkyries. Um, yeah, that that opera, the product, the first production of that opera, uh, said, oh, the designer's like, oh, let's, let's put something on our heads, wings. I guess that works. Ah, too many people have wings. Let's give them horns too. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, exactly. It was it was purely done as a thematrical piece, right? It's, right. it's just done there as a as a very intimidating looking prop. Uh, the truth is, only three Viking helmets have ever actually been discovered. One of them nearly complete, uh, which was discovered in uh, Norway, and it comes from the 10th century, and it looks like a very typical, you know. Um, middle ages type helmet right so it's made of bronze and it is uh kind of a shallow cap so it's not meant to stand too far up off the head right it kind of hugs the skull very close um it's got an area to protect your eyes and nose and that's it folks it's pretty damn simple yeah and the remaining pieces that have been found of the other you know ones match this almost identically so i'm sure they were just kind of like hammering these things out all the time more or less keeping them generally about the same. Certainly there would have been more ornate ones that would have been developed for ceremonial purposes sure. or for, you know, showing off one's wealth, but those would have never been worn into actual battle. So you're not going to be likely right. to, to define those laying on, on the battlefield. Well, and not just that, but like the Vikings didn't need horns to look more intimidating. Like when they, when they tried to conquer <laughs> Northern Europe, they, um, they were quite a bit taller than, uh, than like the English when they tried to invade. In fact, their whole fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman, like, lore of giants comes from the English reacting to, holy crap, these guys are huge. Yeah. <laughs> because they were muscular, tall <laughs> dudes. Yeah. And they had very intimidating ships that they rode in on. Right, uh, with dragon had, heads and... Yeah. yeah. 
and that that's true i mean the, those depictions of vikings is somewhat accurate in that sense but uh more so what was most intimidating about the vikings was their propaganda propaganda that they created themselves and brought out to the world to frighten and scare people and honestly have people desert their villages so they had an easier time pillaging pillaging and raping was something the vikings did did they do it as much as they built themselves up to honestly no it was mostly their propaganda to scare people away. Sure, and, and that worked very effectively. That were, and that was where the idea that they were these barbaric people. Yeah. Uh, first off, I hate the word barbarian. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show. Actually, I think I have mentioned it on the show, but it bears repeating. It's your hate of Arnold Why? Schwarzenegger, isn't it? So it was developed by the Greeks, actually. They considered anybody who is not Greek a barbarian. And the reason why is because to them, any language that wasn't Greek sounded like bar, 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 bar. Huh. So it was a, it was an elitist term to, or it was a, it was elevating themselves and telling anybody else that they were inferior. Not a big fan of Babar the elephant. Then. I was just gonna say uh, that Babar, Babar, Babar is great, but he is not. That's not the, quite the same thing. So <laughs> you got something against Babar? No, not at all. You better not. I love Babar. He's the king of the jungle. He is the king of the jungle. He's got a crown to prove it. He does, and a really nice tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever ever seen any of his animated any of the animated stuff? Some of it's pretty messed up. Yeah, it is. Like some of it borders on like dealing with like like ethnic cleansing and genocide. I'm serious. It's there's some pretty scary like, stuff in those. What what should we do about the giraffes, Your Highness? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean there's stuff that's like dealing with like deposing him as a king and going and killing a whole bunch of people. It, it's it's kind of crazy, I know, but it's it's the truth. Either that or I was just you know on some sort of the peyote again. I think while I was watching, <laughs> maybe. Because I did bring some home. There was some crazy stuff. A little of column there. A, a little of column B, and <laughs> a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, Brian, do you have anything for us? Sure. Um, here's one, because, you know, I'm a food lover. Yeah, you are. Who doesn't love Italian food? Honestly, Italian food's awesome. How did the Italians get pasta? Oh, I know this one. It, yeah. Uh, it was Marco Polo, right? Marco Polo. He brought it from Asia. Nope. Yeah, he did. No, he did not. I read it on the internet. Of Jumping course, he with marinara, right? Did. Yeah. Uh, this is actually, they actually can trace to where this came from. There was actually uh, a book published called the Macaroni Journal, which was published uh, in the United States, actually, around, again, early 20th century, as uh, spaghetti was becoming a more common meal. Because spaghetti and meatballs, honestly, that's about as American as you can get. Because meatballs and spaghetti, if you go to Italy, they do not mix. Because spaghetti is a thinner pasta. Doesn't and meatballs can't, can't, are a meal themselves, right? Exactly. So they don't really, they don't, they aren't very compatible. No, nor would a meat sauce be compatible with it because you need thicker noodles for that. So, um, but you know, Americans, because we don't care about authenticity, we'll put ground so much. beef on anything. Exactly. They'll <laughs> just kind of throw it together. Uh, and that's just how, and sometimes that just happens. That's how fusion of cultures happen. Well, I go and sprinkle dead cow just everywhere I go and see what happens. India? Well, not everywhere I yeah. go. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it was, and literally this macaroni journal was, was written to promote just the use of, of pasta. So they invented this, this legend around pasta and everyone assumed it was historical fact. So this doesn't even have any basis in truth. I mean, at least the Vikings had rumors yeah. going around at the time. This was just well, made up out so, of whole cloth. So Marco Polo does refer to a food called Lagana in his travels. Um, not, ling not, not ling linguine, though, right? Oh, Correct. Lasagna. Not linguine. Exactly. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, 
and he he uses a term which was which from which he was very familiar. But um, here's the thing: pasta is made from durum wheat. Okay, and it was introduced actually by the Arabs from Libya, hmm. uh, and that happened during the uh, the Arab conquest of Sicily in the late seventh century. So that's how it was kind of. That's how the the food got there, right? The source got there, um, and but and that happened well before uh, Marco Polo's travels to China by about six centuries. So the item was already there. You know, it's not far fetched to say that people were making bread at this point. They probably found out that Durham didn't make very good bread, so let's try something else with it. And they probably tried making it into like a paste, which is not unlike what you do from pasta dough. And eventually, someone just got the idea to cut it into pieces and try cooking it and see what would happen. Maybe try and make dumplings, for example. Because hmm. dumplings, actually, French dumplings, aren't too far removed from the method that you use to make pasta. Just use a different kind of wheat from it. So by just, you know, osmosis and by, you know, experimentation, it probably turned into pasta just by necessity more than anything. Because as we all know, wheat is also a source of protein because of, you know, gluten. And, uh, you know, it just, it's what you need to kind of get by. So, you know, and plus it sustains you. It fills you up. It's hearty. So that's the truth behind the matter. Well, good. I'm glad we found the truth because I was getting worried. Uh, I so screw Marco Polo. Yeah. And, and you go back on that horse and large mallet that you brought on and go. Yeah, go. Well, well said, Brian. <laughs> Elegant. Uh, <laughs> and eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Um, I, you know what? I'm not ready to leave the Middle Ages yet. Okay. Do you need, this like... This happens. I get stuck in the Middle Ages and I just can't get out of it. Uh, but I do have a question for you. What does the Middle Ages and 80s hair bands have in common? I know this. Iron Maiden. Yes. <laughs> Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden? Anyone? Yes. Thank Bill. you, Wayne. Bill, no, it's Bill and Ted. Oh, that's Bill and Ted. Thank you. No, no. You jackass. Sorry. Sorry. This is why he does nursing. You said we made, we made this film. joke at dinner before we did this. How? Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can say is that pad thai was really good. I was just, I was focused on Oh, okay, good. So you blame the food now. I blame wow. the noodles. Hey, you did it in the last one. <laughs> uh, can I talk, please? Thank you. Yes. Brian? No. Thank you. Oh, God. It's like the worst episode ever. Uh, no, it's not, actually. It's just really fun. <laughs> I think we're delirious because of the heat. That it is really very hot. Warm in That's probably today. what it is. Yeah. Um, Stupid summer. It's okay. But continue. Yes. yes. The Iron Maiden. Yes. The Iron Middle Maiden, Ages. Right. So Middle Ages, right, full of torture and things like the Inquisition and just awful nasty <laughs> things happening. People's entrails being pulled out and hot pokers going in places that generally don't want to be in there. And I'm telling you, folks, the Iron Maiden must have been the worst of all torture devices, right? So... You're right? going to have to describe the to me what the Iron Maiden was. Oh, okay. So let me... No. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> just no. Let Sorry. Me, let, let me paint the picture for those of you who are not familiar with it. So it's a, a very large, uh, kind of human-esque shaped box, uh, which, you know, is equal in its, in its deviation. So when you open it up, it's equal to the front and its back. But inside are gigantic iron spikes right and you get put inside and then they they close it and then you squish and then you get impaled by the spikes and you have very little room to kind of move around so if you go forward a little bit ooh, more spikes you go back a little bit ooh, even more spikes so yeah. this this must be a real thing absolutely horrendous and it's it's it here's the most horrendous part it was completely and totally made up 
Nope. And it, yeah. It was not used in the Middle Ages. It was never used for torture. Somebody somewhere. No. Nobody anywhere. It was hodgepodge together based on artifacts of the time in order to create a museum exhibit uh, that was so sensational that it would draw people into torture museums that were actually becoming very popular in the uh, late 18th century, early 19th century. I'm serious. Wow. So it was completely and totally fabricated. There is no evidence of this from the Middle Ages that something like this existed. Now, it's not to say that something like this never existed, but not in Middle Ages Europe. Instead, we do have some... Um, evidence that Carthage may have utilized something like this in its execution of um, certain individuals, but one particular individual, um, Marcus Attalus Regulus, which I'm sure I'm butchering it. And you know what? I'm going with it because it's hot and I don't care. Um, and it is recorded that he was put inside of a very large wood and metal box and nailed into it are actually rather sharp nails on all sides of it. So essentially creating what would later be considered like a, an Iron Maiden, but, you know, not quite as fancy. It's made of wood with sharp nails. And there were other contraptions that were also kind of, you know, again, human-esque that were meant to kind of squish you and just kind of like contain you, but none of them nearly as elaborate or as intimidating as the fabricated Iron Maidens. Yeah. And, and this happens a lot, too. I can't help but think about um, the the famous... Uh, T-Rex exhibit that you see at the Museum of Natural History. And we've talked about it before, too, um, that no, T-Rexes didn't stand upright. In fact, I think I mentioned this on Nerds on Film, probably on this podcast before. But actually, if the T-Rex had stood up that way, his back would have broken because just it wouldn't couldn't support that kind of weight. Yeah. So um, it, it, his, his vertebra is essentially, you know, uh, parallel to the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, you know, archaeologists do the best they can to be truthful but you know sometimes when you're a curator in a museum and you want to get people to come you kind of have to you it's not ethical at all but sometimes you make decisions based off of well in this case it wasn't a matter of ethics it was a matter of a literal just misconception early paleontologists who were creating these museum exhibits were working with whatever they found well, and many for times, dinosaurs sure i'm yeah. not talking about the iron maiden though Going back sure. to that for a second. I know. I just, I want to defend paleontologists for a moment. Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love paleontology, too. No, oh, of course. What a shock. Yeah. And and I'm not trying to describe that at all. Because I think the paleontologists, yeah. That was an innocent thing is what I'm saying. Whereas yeah, the we were still was super deliberate. Absolutely. We're still discovering what we right. know about. Now, knowing what we know about the dinosaurs, we're now left with this whole thing. We have to now say it's inaccurate because we don't want to touch it and potentially damage the Right. What's we're, been recreated. We're so. acknowledging that when dinosaurs die, sometimes they all kind of die near one another and their bones kind of get scattered around. And what you think are, in fact, one animal are actually two distinct animals. And you just kind of put them back together the best you can. Like the brontosaurus. That's right. Exactly. Well, who's next? I got one, actually. Since we're talking about in the Middle Ages and we're talking about torture devices. Okay. Can we talk about chastity belts for a moment? Nice. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I like how you had to think about it for a second. Because it is believed that chastity belts were a, uh, you know, an anti-sexual device that were developed from the Middle Ages. Wrong. With a capital W. Uh, it is, uh, they were developed actually during the Victorian era. Which actually makes a whole lot of sense. We'll get to that in just a second. So, uh, while I'm sure the church would have frowned upon 
any extramarital sex happening uh, at that time anyway. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they would have frowned on it. Because none of them were doing that either. <laughs> of course. None of them. None of the popes. None. Nope. Nope. Totally pure. Totally pure. Nothing bad ever happened. Particularly with the Borgia family. Nothing bad ever happened there either. Nope. Nope. Not even in the, in the slightest. However, uh, and, and if we're talking about, like, and this is the same kind of thing as the Iron Maiden, right? It's just, you know, you it, would, it makes sense for the time, but it really doesn't. Um, it makes more sense in the Victorian era because the view of sexuality had changed quite a bit. In the Victorian era, the where sexuality wasn't necessarily being flaunted, it was not being shunned either in the Middle Ages. In fact, I mean, you had people doing nude paintings, and it was like, oh, cool, this is just, you know, this is like- humans as they are right? When you get to the Victorian era, it becomes all about sexuality becoming shameful. It really should only, it's a necessary evil. It exists only for the purpose of procreation and nothing else. Boring! And and I'm not kidding, like, this is where you see lots of weird stuff happen. This is where you hear people start talking about, uh, this is actually where the term pornography got developed at this point in time, because they had, uh, actually decided that erotic pottery and things like erotic paintings were were bad to look at. That happened during this period. It also happened during this period where the people started talking about masturbation at this point and trying to prevent it. And that's what this was devent- invented as. This was invented as an anti-masturbatory device for women <laughs> to not touch their naughty bits. So, um, Of course, our official stance on Nerds on History is touch all the naughty bits you want. Eggs. Yours, other people's, anyone's, really. <laughs> Just get permission. Permission for it. Yes, exactly. permission is very <laughs> critical. Permission and make sure they're li- a legal adult. That's all we care about. Yes. So, um, as opposed to an illegal adult. Yes. <laughs> so, like sorry, that's a whole episode of, uh, we're not doing misnomers this episode. That's no, right. no, no, we are not. Um, and I think that's kind of a big deal because at this point, they thought that masturbation led to insanity. They, I feel like restricting masturbation might lead to insanity a little faster don't uh yeah i would agree with that knowing what we know now sure um but again this is all about this is a period in time and we've talked about with with when we talked about graham crackers when we talked about kellogg uh and his very unusual views. uh views and scientific experiments this is when this is the dawn of modern science. So a lot of crazy ideas and conceptions were being were being either validated or being you know blown up or then or just being quickly exterminated either. And they thought this the mindset of this time period was that that a mind that could clean clear itself of sexual desire was was a, a more you know enlightened person. So any connection to that is one that you know would be shameful and that's why they tried to cut it out as best they could see you know it's so funny you're saying this uh i'm reading a great book right now called ready player one and it's completely and totally fantasy and it's fantastic though it's so good and one of the um one of the characters is talking about uh the fact that masturbation is absolutely totally necessary for the survival of humanity and for the evolution of humanity as well and for our technological advances because he reasons that nerds uh who you know generally don't get a lot right okay um they therefore are distracted by the fact that they're not getting a lot and therefore they are not creating these great and you know revelations and inventions and movements forward in science and technology so if it wasn't for masturbation to help them get past that 
Einstein, um, you know, Marie Curie, they would have never made the advances that they did. And of course, this is this is totally ludicrous, but it kind of makes a little bit of sense. (laughs) I am I, I, I am dumbfounded only because not what you're saying. But just because I got the image of of Albert Einstein and Mary Mary Curie masturbating in my head right now, and I can't get it out, it is stuck. I, I wish that could be the episode title, but it can't. <laughs> no, I, it can't. I, I'm pretty sure Albert Einstein married his cousin, right? Yes. I don't think he needed an outlet. I think he his early work, though, that was much later in his life when he married. When his he was cousin. working in the patent house. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because you know nothing says well, he did I'm spend- hot. Like working at a patent. Well, he did spend a lot of time alone. Yeah, in that job. So, uh, okay, all right. Let's absolutely move on from this, please, uh, before we get like pulled out of the iTunes store. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> well, it's not like we're reenacting any of it. So, Jesus, I think we'll, we're okay. So, how about? Uh, do you have how about Napoleon? Speaking Napoleon. Of oh. the, the merits of uh, masturbation versus uh, being with other people. I went straight to dating and straight to. I, this is the worst segue ever. Um, typically, uh, I, I happen to disagree with this, but one of the common complaints you hear on Tinder is women that are looking for specifically tall men, men that are taller than they are, and yeah. that brings to mind Napoleon because Napoleon was very short, right? Allegedly. Mm, I don't know. So I, I remember hearing he was 5'2". Yeah. yeah. No, Supposedly but he, he was a really short guy, right? Yeah, but he actually, no, he was average height for his... So tell us more about that. Why did that happen? Well, it turns out that there are two different ways of recording height. The French foot was, uh, according to the French foot, he was 5'2", which was actually 5'7", by mm. today's standards. Uh, French feet are somehow different than British feet. Naturally, they smell different, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I I have uh, French heritage, and my feet do smell... um... But you're only half French, so it's like one foot's bad and one... It's actually from the midsection of both feet back to the heel. We're getting oddly specific. We are, yes. Um, Does it smell like cheese? (laughs) I'm just curious. It smells like um, sadness and uh, half-smoked cigarettes. Okay. Yeah. Oui. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Vive la France. Yeah. Um, so th- that is actually really fascinating, though, because, yeah, this is one of the probably the biggest misnomers, uh, or not misnomers, misconceptions uh, from history. Was I mean, that we still use the phrase Napoleon complex for a man who is yeah. uh, maybe short and has feels that they need to compensate Has, like, overly aggressive. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, the fact that his nickname was the Little Corporal didn't help much when it comes to this misconception. So it turned out that that was more of a, a loving nickname. Uh, mm-hmm. They It was more of a, like, you call someone little buddy, not yeah. necessarily yeah. because they're short. But, yeah, it was a term of endearment. And yeah, of course. We have another coworker who is uh, six foot six, and I call him Tiny. And it's just because it's funny. Well, that's that. It's like, it's like Little John, too, right? Little right. John in yep. the, uh, you know, in the Robin Hood legends was always this big, muscular dude. And it's like, oh, okay. That's weird. But okay, cool. Let's go with it. Um, yeah, I also love to mention that Napoleon was not French. It's Corsican. 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 Now, here's the thing. Italy and France have been at war over Corsica. So... At the time that Napoleon was born, it was a French territory. But technically, for the majority of its history, I believe Corsica had been an Italian. So culturally, uh, it was probably very Italian that they just happened to be under the dominion of the yeah. French. And he spoke French, uh, which was his his you know native language, but he spoke sure. it with a Corsican 
accent, uh, accent yeah. which was heavily influenced by actually Italy. So it, it sounded a little funny. It sounded yeah. like a funny little little merger of the two. And funny little merger for a funny little corporal. Who wasn't actually little. Yeah. Though it is interesting <laughs> you bring up the whole Tinder thing because I was just reading a study about how um, height is a determining factor for attractiveness for women toward men. Uh, but it's actually not so much height as it is uh, width of shoulder ratio to width of hips. Huh. The wider the difference between, in other words, the wider the shoulders to the hips. shorter the difference between the hips. In other words, if you create the, you know, the, the angular torso look that, that... So you're talking about the hourglass shape, but mirrored upward. Broad shoulders, narrow waist. Well, not quite not quite hourglass, just the triangular, like she was saying, the tri- tri- or parallelogram, if you want to go like <laughs> super, you know geometrically nerdy triangle about it triangle man triangle man no <laughs> yeah you can't really say parallelogram man because it's just too many syllables maybe you um, can't. so there's a little fun fact to throw in there um and that's true regardless of whether you use french feet or english feet you know we're talking a lot about feet and sometimes feet go into mouths especially on this podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> i know i've eaten my share of toast so while we're on that subject let's talk a little bit about teeth and we'll tie it also into a famous leader. Hell of a segue. I know, right? I'm on fire. This is tonight. like a Monty Python level <laughs> segue. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Georgia W, as I call you. W? No, 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 the other one, George Washington. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank God. The one that majority of people thank like. Thank yeah. God. Um, so George Washington did not have wooden teeth. No, he did not. Because let's face it, wooden teeth is stupid. And it's also would be terribly, terribly painful. Imagine yeah. the wine stains. Have you ever spilled wine on a wood floor? Maybe it's just <laughs> he just have, he'd have, he, he'd have purple teeth. <laughs> he'd have purple teeth. Although he probably was more likely to drink brandy than wine. But um, Oh, thank you, Brian. Yeah, well, you're welcome because, you know, history. Um, <laughs> Come on, guys. History. That should be the episode title. Because, you know, history. History. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, his dentures, which he, he did have absolutely terrible. No, yeah, he did. He didn't have a single natural tooth left in his head by the time he had died. Yeah. His dentures, uh, were actually kind of fascinating. So they were made of gold, hippopotamus ivory, Mm -hmm. and lead, animal teeth, including not just horse, but also donkey and, um, quite possibly human teeth, um, maybe even from slaves. Now, Eric, I have to ask because I was reading about this earlier. Is that one set of dentures with all those, or did he have multiple dentures for multiple occasions? Uh, was there know, a gold set and a lead set, or were they somehow all brought together? Probably there's a hodgepodge, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, most of the time, because you're not going to get any one source that's going to provide you with everything that you want. So you're going to also use whatever materials you've got available to you to you know, create the bridges and also enact repairs on them. Because right. you know, these were expensive, and you want to maintain them and keep them. And once you get a good pair of fit and dentures, I mean, you know, I know all about this. Um, you, you don't get rid of them. No, you don't know anything about that. You're in perfect, perfect dental health. I do um, actually have excellent teeth. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is I would imagine that ivory teeth at this point was a fairly common substitute because I don't know, it seems to me that acquiring human teeth might be more difficult. Or, and, I don't know. Actually, maybe, maybe it's the reverse because ivory is more rare and maybe it was a sign of his wealth. Well, it's also hippopotamus ivory. Yeah. Which conjures up the most amazing image of George Washington on the Nile hunting hippopotamus. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't essentially think he ever just, went to Africa. <laughs> just as like an ancient pharaoh no. would. Uh, talk about awesome. I mean, keep in mind keep in mind that actually George Washington was born from fairly meager means. He was a farmer. 
so that that much is true. He probably did have a cherry tree. I don't think he cut it down, nor did he lie. Did he not know tell the truth about it? Yeah. Um, but he it would, probably would have had a cherry tree somewhere. Uh, however, he his money came from Martha. He married into money, and he also married into being a stepfather too. So that's not really relevant to this. But so they would have been able to afford the ivory for his teeth. Had that happened at that point. Um, also, you know, he was president of the freaking United States of America, which wasn't super United wealthy States, at the time. No, but, not at all. But nonetheless, I mean, if anyone was going to help him make a good pair of dentures, it was going to be this guy. And it was probably wildly uncomfortable, no matter how good the teeth were. Even the best set of dentures back then would have caused you a great deal of discomfort yeah. uh, when it came to eating. And they didn't have pureeing quite down at this point. so he didn't Right. Help. There was no little cups next to the, you know... Bad right. with a little alka in there. Denture grip wasn't a thing either, and they just kind of sat in there, not no. not really glued in. No. Yeah, they probably used honey, which maybe tasted great, which might also be the reason why he had no teeth. I don't uh, know. Now <laughs> we're just creating wild accusations. Now that's just our now, now we've turned to creating misconceptions about history. Hey, but you know what? Since we're on the founding of uh, the nation at this point, or at least one of our founding fathers, uh, why don't we talk about a couple other major misconceptions? Um, let's start off with the first and probably the most heinous of these. Um, uh, who's our national symbol? Bald Eagle. The Bald Eagle. Was Benjamin Franklin... Well, f- no, it's the American Eagle. The American Bald Eagle. Actually, you're both right. Way to make so, me look like an idiot, Eric. No, we succeeded together by both being wrong. <laughs> there I you appreciate go. your... <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so who was in favor of this? Uh, certainly not Benjamin Franklin. Um, do you know what? Do you did you know what he wanted to have as a national symbol? The grand majestic turkey. No, right? this is a complete fabrication. Do you know what he actually he wanted? He wanted Moses to be the symbol of of the country. That's not even a bird. <laughs> I know. I was just gonna say you, you can't cook a Moses. No, but it's it's. Even though he was not strictly a Christian, I mean, he did acknowledge that there were many Christian men in the country, and the biblical symbol would have probably brought people together from many different, you know, of many different religious denominations together. So, um, there's a certain logic to it. Um, but he did say that there was a preference to a turkey. It was, but it was, it was all telephoned. Uh, he, it was based on a preference for the turkey that he stated in a letter to his daughter which is in response uh to a, a group called the society of the cincinnati's a use of um of the eagle right he didn't like the eagle as a national symbol he, and i mean the truth is he would have actually preferred a turkey or maybe he was saying in jest nobody really knows because he never was serious about it enough to bring it to public light yeah, and, and franklin was known attention. for humor for his yeah. his dry humor so right. it's you know it it is it does sound kind of absurd that why would the turkey be our national symbol. Now, here's the thing, though. Like, Jill and I have both grown up with wild turkeys. And I'm quite fond of them. I know that Jill is also quite fond of wild turkeys. I know Sarah is kind of afraid of turkeys. And she's actually not the biggest fan of turkey in general because of bad experiences. But but I think, so it's, I think it's a great idea, personally. And I would like to actually see, uh, not remove the, the American bald eagle, but maybe share that role. I like because you know what? Out. He's been holding it down for a long time. And I feel like that turkey is the best person to support him. And wild turkeys you know I mean? can fly like short distances, Not but very they can well. fly. No, no, but they yeah. can, but they can still. So I'd like to see a, a, an eagle and a wild turkey, like you know, hey, he can take to the duel. skies, and the turkey can stay on the ground. And you know what? That's a beautiful partnership. It's like, it's like a buddy cop movie. It's, it's like, like the... oh my god, that'd be the greatest movie ever. <laughs> it's like a lethal weapon, but with national symbols. <laughs> lethal talon. <laughs> 
Oh, this is going to be so hard to name this episode because there's so many candidates in the running right now. N- this is insane. Nicolas Cage would star in that, yes? Like, can we all just agree oh, that would be Nicolas Cage's great movie of 2015? Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, and while we're at it, folks, when was the Declaration of Independence signed? Fireworks Day. Yeah, July fourth, right? July fourth, nineteen, nineteen, July fourth, seventeen seventy six, nineteen seventy six. Yes, because I went to the public school system. That's not true. <laughs> I actually went to Catholic school. I and think you're the only one here who didn't go to public schools, right? That's true. Up until college, yeah, I didn't go to public uh, school. And then they uh-uh. they scrubbed my. Are you brain. kidding? You didn't go to public school. We had no money. <laughs> you didn't go to private school then. You went to public school. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> And if I was listening, dyslexia. I would have totally done that correctly. Yeah, that was that was no, a dyslexic moment. Um, yeah, so pe- everyone thinks that the Declaration of Independence happened on July fourth, seventeen seventy six. This is only partially true. So here's the thing: they resolved to secede from the British monarchy on July second. On July fourth, the Declaration of Independence was approved. Yeah. But it wasn't actually signed until, I mean, various points from f- months. It took them almost right. five months. Because they couldn't get everybody in the same freaking room. No, and sometimes people had to r- hurry in to sign it and then hurry back because they were busy supporting the war. <laughs> or, in John Adams' case, he was actually going to the, the Netherlands to try to get money. Yeah. Because so we didn't have any. At least not enough to, to fund a whole war effort uh, to fight the most powerful navy and the most powerful army in the world at this point. So there you go, folks. And that one's more of a, again, that's not a flat-out failure, but it is just kind of a, a, a bit of a shifting of, of the of It's all about perception. Right? Exactly. You you see the Declaration of Independence. We celebrate Independence Day. Therefore, you assume that everybody must have all signed it. Well, I mean, it is the date yeah. that's on the document. So right. naturally, everyone assumes sense. that, oh, everyone signed it on that date. Because when you sign a contract, a legally binding document, you sign it and right. you date it. And that would be a problem these days. Back then, when it was going to take a whole bunch of time to get to England anyway, eh, nobody really cared. Right. So I came across something in doing research for this that outright devastated me, that made me so sad it has affected me psychologically. Wow. What happened? Orson Welles. Yes! I what? We are brain twins! That. Orson Welles, what? Jill and I have this connection, I just have to say. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, well, I just d- want to talk, share talk about that. What happened? So H.G. Wells... Oh, H.G. Won- Wells. I think it's Orson Welles. Okay. Sorry. Well, okay, so here's so the thing. So we've got both in we, here. We, we're, both, we're both right here. Um, there's this very famous myth that Orson Welles' reading of the H.G. Wells' uh, world, The War of the Worlds, right? The radio adaptation right. that created went out a, Created a panic and... Yeah, created this huge panic. It's not true. Really? It's not true at all. I think I even said on this podcast that it we was true. did. Yeah, <laughs> we said this in a former episode, and I was under the impression that this was absolutely correct. But apparently, there were only a handful of isolated reports that people thought it was thought it was real. But that sounded so good that when the newspapers picked it up, they went ahead and blew it completely out of proportion. And you know, wait, you tell me a media organization blew the truth out of proportion? Well, here's here's yes. the interesting thing. The reason why. Is because the uh, uh, radio was competition for newspapers for advertising at the time. So they were trying to discredit the radio shows and keep the advertising 
revenue for themselves, yeah, right? Yeah, now they're all owned by the same people. Yep. Because yeah. that's America. Yeah, I know. So, But the thing is, both uh, Orson Welles and CBS totally ran with this and issued this great big apology and they thought this was perfect because when we're going to go ahead and you know replay it for audiences again because now it's so sensationalized we're going to get all this uh all this airtime and people are going to eat it up yeah and that's exactly what they did and then it passed into popular you know belief that yeah this was a a big deal and people were you know running in the streets hysterical and no that didn't happen now to be fair wells telling wells's story uh orson wells to be more specific uh, did intentionally make it sound hyper-realistic. Yes. Because he had it start with a music program that was cut short by a newscast. So that was his that was sure. his own stylistic way of bringing the story into it. So and for a handful of people, they could very realistically have thought that. And, you know, there you go. There's your handful of reports. But it wasn't a big widespread thing. No, most people knew that it was uh, an artistic choice. Uh, well, yeah, because most people who are listening to the radio at that time were listening well in advance of this actual airing and totally knew what they were doing. And like. actually have something between their ears. Uh, well, there's that too, yeah. Well, okay, so let's dial back for one more. We're gonna actually going to... We've been making this great progress forward in history. Let's, let's turn a bit backward to just the beginning of the colonial period uh, in New England, particularly to Salem. We talked about Salem Witch Trial a little bit when we talked about history of witchcraft mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, but go ahead, Jill. I know you have something you wanted to say. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, what I learned in high school, in public school, what, what I think everyone learned growing up is that they were all burned at the stake. And that's what movies tend to depict. Uh, but well, it turns yeah, out... you burn witches, right? Yeah, you burn the witches after Because they're you... made out of wood. Because <laughs> they float. And that's how you tell a witch. Yeah, Monty Python. All right, you wait against a duck. Yeah, yeah we all know this. Yeah, this is common. This is science. Oh, sorry, Brian. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that a good majority of them uh, died just in prison. Uh, there was mm-hmm. one infant that died in prison, and um, I want to say it was nine of them died in prison. Mm-hmm. A few were hanged, and that was pretty much it. It's a lot less exciting for a movie uh, than burning at the stake. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, which burning was more of a European practice... Uh, and even then, I think there might be some conjecture about whether it was even widely done in... in well, heretic burning is more accurate, right? right? So heretics were oftentimes burned, and witches therefore fell into that category. Right. Uh, but hangings and beheadings were, quite honestly, a lot more economical and easy to to execute. Totally pun intended. Um, just because, you know, building a fire takes fuel. Fuel is... You yeah. Know, why would you waste it? Why would you waste it, especially on, on just about anybody? And Absolutely. leaving someone to rot in prison without food or shelter is very economical. Yeah, that works too. Yeah, sadly. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Salem Witch Trials, go back to our uh, episode on witchcraft. I think it was called Blame the... Um, it was the word. It was the, uh, the, the, there was the bacteria that caused the... Ergot. Thank you. The ergot poisoning. Yes. Look for ergot in the title. E-R-G-O-T. Um, because that's actually er, gotta have it. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, because that's it's speculated now. It's not speculated. It's believed now that there's there's some evidence to support that ergot poisoning caused the hallucinations that led people to believe that there was yes. a witchcraft craft outcry in Salem. And and just to to add on to that for a second, because for the full scope of the Whalem, Whalem, sorry, Salem witch trials took a little bit of time, and in that amount of time, 15 died in prison, 19 were hanged. Okay. Yeah, but again, considering the community of Salem, that's, that's still fairly small. Oh, and one wow. was pressed to death. 
Yes, that's, uh, that's actually that story is what I was in the Crucible. I think I might have mentioned this in the Witchcraft episode, but I'll say it again. Uh, it was actually kind of cool because the woman who directed that show was in the production that Arthur Miller himself directed. Really? And for hmm. those who don't know, Arthur Miller is the author of The Crucible. So, um, kind of cool. Um, the yeah, So, that incident of a guy being pressed death was actually shown in the show. That's what Giles... Or not in the movie um, of it, but it's referenced in the show um, by the character Giles Corey. I don't know if Giles Corey actually did. I think he might have died in prison. Um, but he... Somebody the, was pressed to death. Yeah, Miller took some artistic license um, with the um, with the deaths because not because uh, uh, John Proctor gets hanged at the end of the show. Sorry, spoilers. Um, it's, God, it's a seventy year old show at this point. <laughs> like, it's you, you should know it. And point. let's clarify it, it, this because it's another misconception. It's not so much that they were like pressed with something heavy. It's just they kept pressing them for details to the point where they got so annoyed they died. Yeah, no, that's not true. <laughs> that's uh, total yeah, lie. No, no, they, they would place a board on them and they would keep putting stones on them until you. Uh, you gave up information, and one stone had to prove one stone too many, and ended up crushing his internal organs. Yeah, yeah, not not fun, not fun at all. So, uh, in light of this, let's get to feedback. Oh wait, we don't have any feedback. I still don't have any feedback. I know this is very disappointing. I know I'm not liking this, Brian. I don't like it either. Uh, Julie, do you have any feedback for us? This has been delightful, and you two are very entertaining. Uh, and and it's not so much feedback, but thanks for having me. Thank you, Jill. And Thank if you, you for coming. That, and if you think that we're entertaining, you know, over the radio or over whatever device you're listening on, you can imagine what it'd be like if you listen to us all the time. You get bored pretty fast, yeah. actually. Um, but we just got some feedback. Seriously? We just got some feedback. Like seconds ago? Well, a little bit before that. But so I like, just noticed just, that we just, got some feedback. So this just in. <laughs> this week in Listener Feedback. Fantastic. This Justin, this actually comes from our Facebook page, and is it Dino? A, uh, no, it's not. I know Dino, who is, of course, our you know religious follower. We love you, Dino. One of our, one of our, yeah, one of our many earliest and most loyal followers. Yeah. Uh, this actually comes from Ruth, and uh, Ruth is in response to the post that we put up for. Uh, Oi, got a new nerds on history for ya. <laughs> uh, which of course that was Australian. That was not British. I don't care. Leave me alone. He didn't say uh, good day, mate. That's right. That's how you know it's authentically Australian. And thank you. And I didn't mention a single kangaroo in there at all. Or a dingo. Or spiders. Or or okay, right. continue. Or anything else that will piss off all of our Australian listeners, of which I am deeply apologetic. Um, no, Ruth says, Hi guys, thanks for the great podcast. Any chance of publishing a list of songs and artists mentioned and played on the show? I caught some of the names, but not all. Yes, and in fact, if we look at the replies to those... We have that list. So, Ruth, if you haven't checked it, go back to that post you made and see what we put down there because we gave you the list of all the songs and the bands we mentioned and talked about. So Yeah, and anybody can go on the Facebook page and see that. So not just Ruth. Hey, guys, go check it out. It's awesome. Yes, indeed. Actually, let me double-check to make sure we didn't get any messages uh, from the Facebook since we're talking about it. Can I go on Facebook right now and like leave you guys a message and we can discuss it? <laughs> we could do that, too. Uh, yeah, we're good. But I just want to say that, and I've said it before, but I just, I love what keeps me wanting to do this podcast is that we, we have this relationship with our listeners that we've, we've reached literally around the globe. It blows my mind that we now have a listener in Thailand who is a Buddhist monk. Oh, wow. uh, remember he gave us yeah. the feedback about breaking the law and the, uh, the mm -hmm. underwear, uh, feed, we have listeners in Australia. We have some, we have listeners in Singapore. We have listeners in Saudi Arabia. 
There's two of them. So I'm still waiting, and I think we need to just. I don't be think more they proactive. can contact us. It's, it's okay. Well, no, 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 no. I think we need to be proactive about this. I want a listener in space. Listener in space. So there are crews that go up on the ISS all the time. We need to tweet them because like you we can, can totally make this do happen. that. I would love to have a listener in space, and we could totally do it on one of you know a few different astronomy or space-based topics that we've done. We could totally pitch that to them. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I like it. I love that idea. All right, we're gonna do that because we have I a, want a listener in space. in space. That would be amazing. Low Earth orbit is just waiting for that us. That means we are not just cross-continental. We are cross-terrestrial at this point. We we're almost interterrestrial, but then we have to have. Can we? Do you think we can get the Mars probe to subscribe to our podcast? Do you think is that curiosity? Possible? Yeah. Hmm. What a curiosity. <laughs> we have to reprogram. What a curious it. notion. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, guys, please spread the word of nerd. Thank you for sharing the feedback. Go to our uh, website nerdonomy.com. Hit us up with that talk to us button, or hit, check us out on the interwebs at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Nerdonomy. I guarantee you'll find us. I'm not going to ask for money this time because you know what? Why do that every single time? It would just get annoying. That's right. I'm going to ask for money instead. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's good. And he needs it. I sure do. <laughs> oh, so many diapers. Uh, <laughs> um, so, folks, uh, it is that time. So until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time. Same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. Jill, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for having a show about me, Misconception. Jill, the show's over. You can drop the voice. Yeah, that, that was just for the intro. You don't have to do that. The voice? Oh, God. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but this is how I'm going to be at work for the next, I don't know, like a year or so. <sighs> so <sighs> I quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, you get to work with me, like, tomorrow, and we can talk about me some more. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, where did I put that cyanide?